Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Reconnect My Heart Podcast, the show that we talk about life's problems that may break or tear our hearts apart. On Reconnect My Heart, we'll discuss God's answers to life's problems to reconnect our hearts back to the way he originally made us. I'm your host, Brother Prater. I'm so glad you are able to join us. If you have any questions, comments, or if you just want to listen to the show, feel free to call us at 516-453-9118. That's 516-453-9118. Or you can listen online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash reconnect my heart. Or you can go to our chat room, which is available right now on our website. You can go in there to ask questions leave your comments or your prayer requests. I would like to say a huge hello, hello, hello to my church family, True Believers, Tabernacle Church, where our senior pastor, Pastor Otis Logan. If you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, feel free to come and worship with us. We are at 4204 Cardinal Drive, 
Dallas, Texas, seven five two one six. Once again, I would like to thank each and everyone who tuned in, and thank you, thank you, thank you for your continued prayers and support. I want to apologize for the late start. Everything was ready, and then they say, you know, there was no connection at all. But I thank God, God gave us the victory, and no matter what the devil tries to do, God always makes sure that he's victorious. And so we are victorious in Christ. So I want to thank each and everyone who were patient and who was online to just um, wait for the show to start. And without further moment ado, we want to introduce a young lady that I got a chance to meet. She uh, works with me, and I got a chance to really talk to her, and I was just so floored by her testimony, and I wanted to make sure that she had an opportunity to be able to share with many others, those who may just need a word of encouragement, who really need to know if God is still able in whatever situation. So today on the show, we have a cancer survivor. Her name is Miss Janetta Matic. She's going to share her fight and victory over cancer and much more. And we're just going to allow her time to just be able to just share whatever the Lord lay upon her heart. So without further moment of do, we're going to introduce Miss Janetta Matt. I know I just bushed up your last name, but Miss Janetta, Miss Janetta, Miss Janetta, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing great, doing great, doing great. Um, first of all, I, I know I get a chance to see you and talk to you on the clock. Now I can talk to you off the clock, no restrictions. No barriers. So I want to thank you for coming into uh, the podcast, and I really appreciate the time that you just um, set aside for you to be able to just share with us whatever the Lord lay upon your heart. That's fine. I like to share with everyone. The first thing I like to say is, and with all cancers, you really don't feel sick. You don't see it coming. And and in my case. Lung can- I've had lung cancer. I have one lung now. I had pneumonia March, February 23rd of 2010. I had pneumonia for a week. And then after I got through taking my antibiotics, I went to work and I walk up the steps normally. But this day I walked up the steps, the right side of my chest started hurting. And I thought, Wow, I'm in pain, and I never do pain. So if I'm walking mm-hmm. up the steps, it started hurting me so bad. When I got to my desk, you can see pain in my face that my manager asked me, are you all right? I said, I don't think so because the right side of my chest is hurting. I said, let me call my doctor because I had just got over pneumonia. I had this, It's been seven days. I just got over pneumonia. I just took my last antibiotic that that Monday, this is on a Tuesday. So when I called her, she said, well, hey, can you come stop by the office? I said, okay, I'll stop by the office. And she said, well, let me do a chest scan. She didn't see anything. 
she said, well, let me set you up for the chest, the chest scan with the dive for that Wednesday. I said, well, I'll do it when I get off work. Wednesday came. I did the PET scan, I mean a chest scan with the dive. After that, she said, well, let me get you your mammogram while you're here. So I did that, and this is from that Tuesday to that Friday, that that Thursday after I did my mammogram, she called me Friday at work. She said, hey, I got your test. I need you to take it to this lung doctor to read it, which the doctor, lung doctor that I was seeing was also looking at my husband's leg for PIP. For he had um, blood that wasn't circulating the veins in the leg, the blood wasn't circulating right or something, but he was also a thoracic surgeon. But when I went in there and saw him, that Monday, because this was Friday, I had to see him Monday, he said, he, he asked me, he said, didn't I see you last week? I said, no, you saw my husband. This week is for me. So I'm feeling fine, and I gave him the disc. I said, well, the doctor wants you to read the disc. So he said, okay. He walked out. He came back, and he asked me, how are you feeling? I'm, I'm great. I feel good. I'm great. So I thought. So he asked me, are you sure? I was like, well, you know, yeah. I I know if I feel good or not. I just had that pain that one day, and I had nothing else. He said, well, let me show you something. He showed me my scan. And he said, this is your right lung. And I'm looking at it. You know, I've never seen a scan of a lung, so it looked fine to me because I don't know what I'm looking at anyway. So as I looked at it, he said, that's how it's supposed to look. Okay. So then he said, well, this is your left your left lung, and my first thought was, okay, well, what's wrong with that? What's, what's all that around it? Look like a big cloud of smoke where I can even see my heart. All you saw was this big cloud of smoke. And I said, well, what is that? He said, well, it can be pneumonia infection since you just got over pneumonia. And I thought, is you sure? Is it that big? Because in my mind, I've never seen anything that big. So he said, well, yeah. He said, it can be. I said, well, well, let me ask you this. If it's not pneumonia infection, what can it be? He said, well, I don't want to talk about that. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I need to know. It's my body. I need to know. He said, well, it could be lung cancer. And I thought, okay. And when he said it, it didn't hit me like, oh, my God, it's lung cancer. My first thought was, okay, well, the worst case scenario is lung cancer. Now I'm thinking, Okay, we're going to go with pneumonia infection. I'm going to just go with that, and I'm going to be okay. But when I left there, he told me, well, we're going to, he told his nurse, hey, let's see if we can get her in Thursday. Now, this is Monday. I'm thinking next Thursday, not in three days Thursday. I said, well, you know, I just need to call my job and let them know I'm going to be out next week. He said, no, I'm talking this Thursday because it's so big. I need Mm -hmm. to see what it is. He'd say, so I'm going to set you up for a, 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 a scope down your throat. He said, a biopsy. I need to set you up for a biopsy. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I can do that. And he said, so be here Thursday at 4 in the morning. And I thought, okay. And I didn't think anything of it, but when I got in my car, as I was walking to my car, I kept thinking, and pneumonia infection can't be that big. It just can't be that big. So when I got in my car, I said, you know what, Lord, 
you can't tell me this is pneumonia infection because I've never seen an infection that big, which I had never seen one before in my life anyway. But in my heart of hearts, I just couldn't believe that it's that big. I said, you know what, Lord, mm-hmm. I know this is lung cancer. I say, so if it is, just give me the strength to let me be able to handle it. You know, now I'm thinking I got to go home and tell my husband is, and he, he's not going to handle this well, so I chose not to tell him. I said, you know, I ain't going to tell him. I just told him, you know, I got to have this biopsy done because of, cause I couldn't breathe, but I wasn't going to tell him. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I got to the doctor that Thursday, he took me, and I said, you know, um, the doctor came in, and he said, you know, if I go through your nose, when we left the room, he said, if I go through your nose, it's pneumonia infection. But if I go through your throat, it's lung cancer. But he told me this while my husband wasn't in the room. So I was like, okay. He said, if I go through your throat, you'll be staying. If I go through your nose, you'll go home. So surgery, 6 in the morning. I wake up. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. First thought, I touch my throat. And it was there, and I knew it. I was like, oh, come on, really? I got lung cancer. But And the sad thing was I wasn't even mad about it. I was just like, okay, now that we know what it is, you know. So mm-hmm. they take me to my room, and I'm asking the nurse, you know, because my husband left, and he went to work. and he call, I called him. I said, hey, you know, I'm out of surgery. I'm woke. I'm in my room. He said, we'll talk. He hung up on me. And I thought, did he just hang up on me? So I called him again. <laughs> I said, hey, or do, what did the doctor say? And he said, we'll talk, and he hung up. Okay. Now, this is 3 o'clock in the afternoon now. 9 o'clock that night hit, my husband, my grandson, my stepdaughter walks in, and I said, hey, I said, you've been gone all day, so what did the he gave me a kiss on my forehead and said, we'll see you in the morning, and they walked out. And I thought, are, hmm. are they kidding me? You know, what, what's going on? And at this point, they had already told him that I had lung cancer. <laughs> and he was telling the kids and calling my mom and everybody, and I was still thinking, this is too much. You know, I said, Okay, I go to sleep, 7 o'clock in the morning hit. At 5 to 7, my doctor walked in, my husband walked in, and I looked at the doctor and I asked him, how bad is it? And he said, you have a stage 3 lung cancer. I said, well, is that bad? He said, it's better than the 4. And I was like, oh, well, what does that mean? He said, the bad thing is, the good thing is, it's on your left lung. And we can, we can, you can still survive off of that. But if it's on your right lung, there will basically be nothing we can do. But at the moment, I have your oncologist outside. I've called your job. I took you off work because you have an aggressive cancer that consumed your whole left lung in the nine days from the time I had pneumonia. It consumed my left lung. And I was like, oh, so my husband is looking at me like, why aren't you upset? And I was looking at him to tell him, well, I knew, I just didn't know, you know. So mm-hmm. now everybody is preparing my funeral because everybody knows you can't survive lung cancer. Well, 
I didn't know that to after I started having my radiation and my chemo, which they moved me so fast that that Friday they told me I had lung cancer. Monday I had my first surgery and getting a metaport installed where they can run chemo through my to my left lung. This mm-hmm. went on for I had this I had chemo and radiation starting that month Monday every day up until June 3rd. Now, mind you, I was diagnosed with lung cancer on March 4th. March 8th, all the way up until June 3rd, I had chemo and radiation every day. This, They took my lung June 3rd, so I had radiation another six months after that. I got off the hospital June 10th just for them, just to come home, for an hour. When I got here, I was when I left the hospital I was fine, but when I got here they sent me home with a nurse. When she checked my temperature, I had a hundred and five temperature where they had to take me back to the hospital and readmit me in the hospital for another two months and give me mm. chemo and radiation. They I had two blood transfusions. I had one iodine transfusion. And I was just like, are you kidding me? So he was like, you know what, this is so bad. Your lung is so bad that I had cancer in my lip notes as well that they decided, well, you know what, we're going to keep you doing chemo and radiation even after they took the lung to try to kill a tumor that I had in my lip notes, which it was a quarter size when I was diagnosed, but at that time, after all the chemo and the radiation, it got down. After about eight months later, it shrank down to like a dime size to finally got, it went to like, I think one point, one centimeter wide or something, and that was the smallest it can get, but they had killed the cancer in it. But in the meanwhile, with the chemo and the radiation, I went from 200 pounds March 4th to 92 pounds. By by the end of June, I think I weighed 92 pounds. I was dropping like eight pounds a week. And it was because of the chemo leaves this metallic taste on your mouth. And I'm a water drinker. I did not like water, and I love water. I don't drink soda, I don't smoke, I don't drink alcohol, but it was well, it was kind of, as my husband put it, he said he thought I was a crack addict. He said, you got so little. I threw up every day for six months. I threw up. If I smelled food, I threw up. If, if somebody walked past me and they had on a light, perfume or cologne, if I smelled it, I threw up. I couldn't, I was, if I stood up, I passed out, you know, and I didn't know that once the chemo killed all your healthy cells in your body, and they, although they were regenerating, it was still, it was still uh, killing your body, the, the rest of your body cells, but it was not as bad as it, it was bad, but I didn't think it was that bad because once they told me I had lung cancer, I didn't think anything else about it. 
my doctors, it was 10 of us diagnosed when I was diagnosed. I'm, I'm the only one left. When I went in a year later to see my doctor, she cried, and I couldn't understand. Why, well, what are you crying for? She said, you're the only one left. And I was like, left from where? And she said, out of all the people that this office diagnosed, you're the only one left, so you are a walking miracle. She was bringing other doctors mm-hmm. in there to see me, and I'm thinking, you know, it's not, you know, I'm quiet. I'm a real quiet person. I'm private. I don't, it doesn't bother me, but I hear a lot of people say, you know, you ought to share your story because I kept a journal that how I felt every day for that whole year, what I was feeling that day. I can look at it now and tell you, oh, this is the day that my my throat went numb and I had to be rushed to emergency because I found out I was allergic to Composine didn't know I was allergic to it to numb my throat, and I couldn't. <laughs> my tongue swole up, you know. But you'd be surprised at I'm resilient. I, I believe I'm real resilient. I they tell me I never complain one time, and my aunt asked me. She said, "Why didn't you complain?" I said, "Because of two things. When I asked the Lord to help me deal with it, I was dealing with it." But at the same time, I didn't see the point in complaining because if I'm sick, I'm going to still be sick. You know, I can't complain mm-hmm. about it. So in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what, it's going to sooner or later, it'll get better. It'll get better. It'll get better. It's so bad that once you get chemo, which my mom and them didn't want me to take anyway because they're into the natural health food and they're vegans, but at the same time, I'm going by what my doctor's regiment was because I believe that if a doctor can help me, he help me, but I'll do what he asked me to do. The chemo, after mm-hmm. a while, I'm throwing up vile. It was no food that was I was throwing up. It was like a um, chicken broth. It was yellow. It was like it looked like chicken broth, but it was just it had a bad smell to it, and it was just like mm-hmm. wow to brush my teeth. I'm throwing up because it's got the, I can't stand it, the smell of the toothpaste. I can't stand the taste of the toothpaste. I can't, I couldn't function to my husband and my whole family. I had got so weak at times. I was so weak, you know, and they said, you didn't cry. You didn't do anything. I was like, no, because in my, the Lord got me, you know, he still have me here. So after the first six months after chemo, I went to the doctor and he said, you know, you're doing good and the cancer's gone and we're going to work with you on that. I said, okay, cool. This is October 6th. My birthday is December 21st. One week before my birthday, I had a stroke. Now, hmm. chemo numbs the body and it, it they tell you one of the side effects of chemo is numbness. So I, I always had the numbness in my hands and my legs and my feet, but I never thought about it till I had the stroke. So when I had the stroke, I was at a wedding, and it was a week before my birthday, and my husband says to me, he said, you're having a stroke. And I said, well, no, I'm not having a stroke. You know, I just, I'm tired. I can't see. All of a sudden, I went blind. And 
He was like, mm. you want to go to the doctor? Well, no, just take me home. Take me to the house. I get in the car. It's 540. It was 7 o'clock when they, woke, when they finally woke me up to get me out the car. And we sitting in the driveway. They didn't call the ambulance. And they said, yes, yeah, she having a stroke. And I thought, no, this much just slurred. I said, I'm not slurred. I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear the slur, but everybody else could. So after we get to the hospital, then I find out the doctor at the hospital there said the numbness was a sign of the stroke. And I was like, I couldn't have found that out because I was already having numbness. You know, so it's just like cancer and strokes. You never see it coming up until it's there. So it all depends on how you handle it, I think, is where where you be at. Because I thought, wow, I didn't know that the numbness was the numbness caused the stroke. Then as I went back to the doctor, he was like, oh, you know, well, that was, your case is kind of different because you can have a stroke. If I didn't have cancer when I first had numbness, that would have been a sign of a stroke. But because I had cancer and I had chemo, chemo, the side effects is numbness. So I had a double whammy. It was like, wow, I don't even know how to take this. So after I had the stroke, you know, and I get better, I decided I was going, I was like, you know, I'm going back to work. You know, then I found that since I have one lung, there's a lot of things I can't do. I can't, I can't run. Not unless the right thing chasing me, but I can't run or walk up the steps like I want to. But in the same sense, I find that I get tired quick, you know. And as Brother Prater said, the job I do at the jail, you would think, as physical as it is, I would be tired. But I think I overcame the physicalness of it because I refuse to handicap myself or let anyone handicap me when I know I'm struggling, but I try to let people know when you have cancer, is a whole nother world for everybody. And the one thing I've learned about cancer is if you keep your spirit up, you you stay happy. Keep the negative people away from you because cancer mm-hmm. feeds off of negativity and it feeds off of anger. And I've met so many people that were angry you know, and I'm angry with this God because he let me get cancer. I said, or he was trying to get your attention. That's the way I see it. You know, I'm, I'm not a bad person, but I do know I had been slipping. I hadn't been going to church like I was supposed to, and I probably hurt some people's feelings a time or two in my life, but I never thought. I'm one of them people that I never thought I would have cancer you know, but yet and still, there it was, you know, but everybody said, why aren't you mad? Because he got, he gave it to me, he gave it to me for a reason. He wanted he wanted to get my attention. I just don't know what he needed my attention for, but at the same time, I feel like he got my attention because I treat people a lot better than I used to because I tell them my life is too short to treat you any way better than you need to be treated. Treat me the way I want to treat you, you know, but it I just it changed my whole outlook as far as being 
sick, you know, so I have more empathy towards every people that I normally wouldn't have empathy to, to, especially because of the lifestyle that they chose to leave because I can't live it for them. I can only work, do what's best for me. You know, but then you look. I look at all my cancer survivors that had to have a mycectomy, you know, and the different things that they tell, that they go through in life, you know, because they still, I still find that a lot of them is like, you know, well, I just can't believe it happened. I say, yeah, but take it like this. It happened and you're still here. You know, as long as you're here, he still has a better plan for you. You know, when he's ready for you to go, he'll get you. You know, he, he know how to come pick you up. He know how to take the pain away from you, just like he know how to give you pain when he needs your attention, you know. So with that being said, I think I would encourage all women to have a mammogram, and I encourage all men to have a mammogram, although it's not called a mammogram for men because men do get breast cancer. You know, and that's a that's a thing that a lot of men don't, you know, some men just say, oh, you know, it'll go away. But I encourage my husband and my grandson, all of them, you know what, get it checked. If you got something going on, get it checked out because don't wait too late because you don't want to know. It's best to know, especially once cancer runs in your family, you might want to get mm-hmm. that checked. Yeah, because it, it's a scary thing, especially for men. It's a scary thing. But you'd be surprised at the outcome you get. You, It's a small world, but you'd be surprised at how many people don't know that cancer has no symptoms. You don't know you have it until, mm-hmm. some, until your body tells you. You can be fine today and feeling fine for the next three, four, five, six, seven, eight years. And the next thing you know, you say, you know what, I woke up and my arm just hurted a little bit and I thought I didn't worry about it. But when I went, all of a sudden, they got to cut the arm off. You'd be thinking, but it was just hurting a little bit, you know. You Mm -hmm. have all these different chemicals and process germs coming into the world nowadays. Everything is Mm man-made. You know, I don't think it's – I think – our health has a lot to do with what we eat eat as well. So I try to stay I stay away from all the sugar and uh, uh soda and all that because I don't like it anyway, but I say stay I try to stay healthy. My biggest thing is with chemo it killed off so many cells that my kidneys is functioning at fifty five percent when it was a hundred percent, but it's okay because they don't hurt. You know, it don't hurt, so you just go keep going with the program, you know. And it's every time I go in my doctor's office, if I see somebody I know, I, I, I'm just glad to see them because I'm like, oh, you're still here, you know, great, you know. All of a sudden, it seemed like since I got cancer, all my friends that before I had cancer were my friends. They they. They didn't encounter some kind of cancer or somebody in their family didn't encounter cancer. And they like, you know, how did you deal with it? I said, you keep the negative people behind you. Don't don't bring them around you because it, the cancer feeds off all that anxiety you have. You know, it's like the devil. He want to keep you down. You know, you can't 
sit there and say, woe is me, oh, man, it's happened to me. I never thought like that. I'll just look at it this way. Yeah, it'll happen to you. But up until you get mm-hmm. it, it's a whole new world that doors open up all over the place because you have people that say, you know, I can't find, I can't get my cancer medication. Yes, you can. A few women, when I was having chemo, a young lady, well, she was an older lady, she wanted to sell me her plates just to pay for her medicine. And I was like, I can't take that plate, but I'll pay for your medicine. And she was like, well, how do I repay you? You don't because I can't be blessed if I take this plate from her. And I think it was an heirloom from her grandmother or mother. And I was like, no. And her medicine wasn't but $10. You know, I was like, no, I'll pay for it. And she made me a little bag that you put your little recyclable bags in. And I was like, that was more than enough. You know, you don't have, you don't owe me anything, you know, because Again, the Lord brought me here, so he blesses me, so I'll have to bless you. You know, I, even if my husband still gets mad because I see the little panhandlers on the street, and he said, Jeanette, you know, they just, they, they, he too clean to be panhandling. I said, well, it's all right. I'm going to give him a dollar. If I got some change in my hand, I'll give it to him because you know what? It might be the Lord. Who knows? <laughs> but I hmm. want him to have a good day as well, you know, I try to stay and I keep my spirits up because when you grieve or if you're miserable, cancer feeds off of that. You know, I don't want my cancer to come back. Even though if it came mm-hmm. back, it's going to have, it have to attack something else because it definitely won't attack my left lung because it's not there. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I try to protect the right one as much as I can. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's the good, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the good, that's the good sign in that. Hmm. Well, I, I would first of all, I really appreciate you, <clears throat> and I'm gonna tell you. And for those who are listening, I've seen her in action. I've seen her walking down the hallways, actually running down the hallways and carrying and pushing this and pushing that. And mm-hmm. if you didn't know her story, you could not tell because she does not look like what she went through. I'm telling you from personal experience what I've seen. And so when I first got a chance to really just um, be introduced to her and listen to her, talk to her, whatever, I mean, she told me that and my mouth just dropped. I'm like, wait a minute, you? Because I think a lot of times, you know, how you were saying that, you know, you can't feel cancer and stuff like that. You can't. Um, I, I think a lot of times for those who may not be very familiar with it, you don't look like sometimes we assume that cancer looks a certain way or people who may have cancer look a certain way. And I, and that's what kind of was an educational um, uh, learning experience for me, for me to be able to hear you in not just you, but I know I've known many others who have been said, who have uh, been told that they have cancer and, you're like, wow, but you look healthy or you look like, you know, everything is okay. You have not been coughing or you, you know, picture healthy running and all this and all that. I have, uh, matter of fact, two of my loved ones, uh, 
two of my loved ones that um, had dealt with cancer the past number of years, and one of them is Ashley, uh, my brother, uh, found out, uh, I think it was the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the year, uh, my brother had surgery, and um, they said that he had a uh, prostate cancer. And so thank mm-hmm. God that God has uh, helped him in, in uh He's in remission and everything, and also I have a female cousin of mine that um, God is healing also. But a lot of time, like I said, for those who are not really educated upon it, um, we just assume that you have to look a certain way or maybe because um, someone may be over 100 pounds, okay, where they can't get it or whatever like that, but then all of a sudden – right. So that that does not discriminate, you know, age, race, culture, size, uh, none of those things eliminate anybody from having cancer. And so the main thing is for for us to be able to really just band together because I think a lot of times when uh people regardless if it's cancer or even grief, whatever it is, whatever that we deal with um, if we can look at that as an opportunity for us to be able to band together, because I think a lot of time um, there's that could be a great support system for those who may be going through the same thing or may have gone through the same thing, you know, and especially for those who may not have had it like myself, I've never had it. So if I encounter someone who does have it, all I can do is pretty much just listen, listen and pray. But I can't say I know what you're going through because I've never been through that. But then someone else who have gone through that specific thing, you know, they can tell them, look here, there is hope. And not only there is hope, but I'm right in front of you as an example or a testimony to let you know that number one, not only God is, God is here to help you, but also I am here too, you know. So that can be a yep. real um, stress relief for those who are going through whatever it is. Like I said, it could be counseling, it could be problems or whatever, you know. If we can um, have that support system with those who had gone through the same thing to really encourage those who are going through those specific things, you know. Yeah, so I, you know, I'm – go ahead. No, it's 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 really it's really when you said when they all need to band together because just like mm-hmm. with me, like all the nonprofit cancer functions that I attend, it's for breast, mm-hmm. it's for breast, it's for breast, it's for colon, it's for leukemia, it's for sickle cell, it's for a lot of different cancers, but it goes back to. I'm I'm lung, and I tell everybody, I say, I can tell you a whole lot about lung cancer, but I find out there's mm-hmm. a lot of breast out there, so I deal with a lot of breast cancer survivors, and, again, I'm the only lung, and it is interesting because every time I meet someone new, they hug me because somebody in their family that had lung didn't make it, and they say, you know, I'm so glad to meet you because God is good because if they didn't catch their loved one's lung cancer first, at least somebody's got caught because 
lung cancer, colon cancer. Lung cancer and pancreatic cancer are the hardest to cure, but I think colon is mm-hmm. the more painful one. I think colon, I think they say colon is the more painful one. And I was like, wow, you know, you go through that. I don't want to see anybody go through pain all the time. So with the breast, you know, they say, hey, well, just take them and we'll get some more, you know, but men don't, women take it hard, you know, and I understand mm-hmm. that. They take it hard because it's, you're losing part of your body. You you don't feel as feminine as you used to when you had them. Even though you're getting some more, it's just like, it's like a, um, it's like a poison. It's like, really, what happened? I wanted mine. You know, not I didn't want these. What happened to the ones I had? They were there was nothing wrong with them, but that cancer came. And then when I thought I keep one, it left, and then it came and hit the other. So it's a lot easier to do a double mastectomy, have them both removed, because for some reason, if you ever get breast, I find that most women that get breast cancer, if you get it in one breast within a year's time, it goes to the other breast. Why? They don't. The scientists still don't know why, but it happens, you know. And I don't want to make that sound negative, but in the same sense, a lot of breast cancer friends of mine, instead, since they already knew the what the odds were that it was gonna go, it's a hundred to one. It's gonna to go to the other one either way it goes. That's why they do the double mastectomy. You know, and then you have mm-hmm. where some of their husbands have left become of it because of it, you know, and it's just sad because I'm thinking, like I told my husband, I'm glad that you didn't leave me, but yet my husband went through something. He, I couldn't pick up keys. Oh, my God, I couldn't. I couldn't walk to the door. It was stop that, put that down because he was he was afraid. And up until probably six months after chemo and radiation, he was going through something so bad, and I just had to ask him. I said, please tell me what's going on because you're snappy, you're, you're not yourself, and he smokes, and I don't. And he said, you know, I didn't expect you to have lung cancer. I should have had it because I'm the one that smoked. You don't smoke, and, you know, you this and you that. I say, well, now that we got that clear, it ain't you, it's me. And now that it's me, can I get you to stop because he – he told he had, it took him a year to tell me, you know, I thought you were dying. And I said, I knew that. I knew it, but I wasn't going to ask him about it because it was one of those things, you know, how men don't like to express themselves. They want to keep it hid because I'm supposed to be there to fix it. You <laughs> know, so you got that woman mm-hmm. there to fix it. <laughs> you know, I'm not mom, but I'm your wife. I'm supposed to fix it because you it's broken, and he couldn't fix me. You know, he was like, I don't know what to do. I, You know, every time I got, I can fall down, and he can be in the kitchen, and I can be in the bedroom, and I can say, I can call his name. I say, honey, I don't care how low it is. He can hear me. He said, mm-hmm. where you at? I'm on the floor because I had no strength. I can just be walking and just fall because I'm, I'm just, my legs gave out or the kid, my body was my body had too much medicine in it. I think it was just too much. I would fall fall down every day, 
said, he just said, don't even get out the chair unless you have to go to the restroom. And then let me know when you got to go, and I'll I'll walk you. But, you know, and it, it takes a toll on them, a person when you have to take care of them. It takes a toll on them. He stopped working to take to take care of me for that year, you know. And even though we struggled, but we didn't struggle because that's where our family stepped in, my baby brother, and you know, whatever you need, my sister, my mom, my aunt, whatever you need, cousins, we, we got it, we got it, you know, and I think they were my support system, but I knew I couldn't fall apart because if I fell apart, then they all going to fall apart. So I never really had the chance to really grieve that I had lung cancer because when it, when it, when it, well, since I already knew in my heart of hearts that's what it was, it never bothered me. And my doctor said, "Well, why did you think like that?" I said, "Because when I gave it to, when I gave it to Jesus, I didn't think nothing else about it." And she told me all the time. She said, "Jeanette, you were really sick." But I knew I was sick, but I didn't know I was sick. You know, I knew I was throwing up every day and losing eight, nine pounds a week till I got down. I think the the, the smallest I got down to was like fifty-six pounds, I think, and. I can look at some pictures and be like, who was, was that me? You know, really, was that me? That couldn't have been me because that don't look like me, you know. But I I thank God that I'm, I'm, I try to stay happy. I'm always laughing. I'm always laughing. I won't complain about it because I see how other people go through it. I see how women deal with it and you know it's sad especially when with breasts they're losing all their hair with me my hair Mm -hmm. didn't fall out but it got so soft that it went into an afro and I was like oh nope can't do no afro (laughs) you know but I feel for them and I I try to keep them smiling and they always tell me you know what you should keep. You should always tell people your story because you just stayed happy, and I was like, I had to stay happy because that I can't break. I don't have time to break down because he still got plans for me. It's a plan. I just mm-hmm. don't know. I'm. I'm gonna find out sooner or later as my life goes on. Something else will come up, but I'll find out what it is. You know, maybe I, it was meant mm-hmm. for me to talk to somebody just to hear this story. I'm hoping it helps somebody, but always keep your spirits up no matter what's going on in your life. Remember where you came from. You know, I I came from a good background. I just didn't I didn't I, I you know, you everybody had a way. You know, I I was I was grudge-hearted a lot of, of growing up. I was you know, and I, I look back and say, well, maybe that's why I got cancer because I was grudge-hearted and now he's making me be nice, you know. The Lord makes hmm. me be nice. You know, you know, you get all these little crazy thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. or you, I was mean to my mom one day, maybe that's why he got it, you know. Or, you know, you never know what no one's going through, but once you get cancer, it changes your how your whole outlook on life itself, at least with me and some of my survivor friends have said, you know, and at first I thought it was just me, but 
it all it changes your whole outlook on life. It changes how you look at people. I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt when once upon a time, if you looked at strange or you acted strange, you know, I don't want to deal, you know, I don't want to deal with that one. He don't look too happy, you know. Now it's, is you all right? Are you okay? Are you sure? You know, I don't want to get in your business, but you don't look too good. <laughs> so mm-hmm. something like that. But you'd be surprised at how cruel your family members can be to you when you have cancer. You even have those that's so negative that you're thinking, really, I'm not dying. You know, or you know your husband is not going to like you anymore because you're not, you're, you're not whole anymore. You're not 100%. You're not a 100% woman versus you're only a 2% woman or something. And I hmm. couldn't believe some of the stories that some of my friends were telling me, and I kept thinking, are you sure? Did they say those things to you, really? And I, and I, and I just feel for them because I think if my husband would have said something to me like, you know what, you're missing the lungs, so I decided to have an affair because at least she had two good lungs, you know, or she had two better-looking mm-hmm. breasts or whatever the situation is. I don't think I've been able to handle that one. So I'm like, wow, Really? You know, you know, you some some of your family members they think you got breast cancer. Oh, you just want us to feel sorry for you. You know, you just be surprised at some of the things and the conversations that some of us women be having when we're talking about cancer and something that they went through. And I'm glad I'm in this support group because you understand. You know, I can understand the lung part of it but I'll sympathize with the breast part of it or the colon part of it or the pancreatic part of it or whatever cancer you got, I'm willing to sympathize with it. I may not be able to tell you what it is you want to hear because I've never had those cancers, but I'm willing to listen and see if there's anything I can help you with or maybe we can find out together what we need to do to help you get through what you're going through. You know, but with me, I I began to talk about all the cancers, but when it comes to lung, everybody look at me like, hey, you know, you're the only survivor, you know, and I don't know what to tell them. You know, <laughs> what do you want me to tell them? I don't know what to tell them because it's in their right lung. I can't tell them, hey, you know, I don't think you're going to make it, you know. I can't tell them that, you know. But I find that the majority of the world uses 33. I found out that when it comes to lung cancer, the majority of the world uses 66% of their right lung and only 33% of their left lung. That's why I was able to survive because it hit my left lung and I can live without the left lung. But if it was the right lung, then we have to get a lung lumectomy and a lung transplant, and I got to be put on a waiting list. So I think God spared me of all that and said, nope, we're going to take the left, you know, because I still need you here. So I'm good with that, you know, but I tell people, you know, just because I look good don't always mean that I am good. I used to think I have a handicap license plate. On my on my car, because of the walk going into the 
job is that steep hill. By the time I get to the top, I can't breathe because I'm so tired from the hill. But yet I keep going. I keep going. And I used to think, oh, they got a handicap sticker. And they look how they walk. And ain't nothing wrong with them. But now I understand because now I have one. And I know they probably said, well, ain't nothing wrong with her. But to look at me, like he said, you wouldn't tell that I have. You can't tell that I have one lung. You know, well, she breathing right, hard. Right. That's because I'm. She breathing hard. That's because I'm tired. She's going to walk up that hill. It, it took my breath, but I refuse to let it handicap me. I can't let it handicap me because then I would let the devil win. I think if I let it handicap me, I'm. I'm a strong. I'm. I'm. I'm a strong. I'm a strong woman. I try to continuously be strong because, again, if I don't, I think my whole family will fall apart. You know. I've been cancer-free. This October 6th, I would be cancer-free for seven years, you know. But mm-hmm. if I tell anybody, 2010 to 2011 was not a good year for me. But to look at me, you couldn't tell that. It was not a good year for me as far as health-wise. But as far as spirit-wise, I kept my spirit up. I constantly laughed. I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't leave my house because they had me on oxygen. I couldn't. I couldn't. If family came over, they had to put the mask on because my white blood count was so low. They didn't want me to catch no kind of infection. And you had to call me. You couldn't come in. I had to talk to you to you through the door. You know, it was just a lot. But when I look back on it. I can say, was it worth it? Yes, it was. I'm not mad. It was worth it. In order to get my attention, if I had to go through that to be where I'm at right now, was it worth it? Yeah. If I had to do it over again, would I? Yeah, I would. Yes, I would. To be where I am right now, yes, I would. You know, I really would. You know, and they say, would you mean to tell me if you had to catch cancer again, you would? If Lord willing, if that's what he needed me to do, yeah, I would. You know, I'm not mad at anybody about it. I'm just still glad that I'm still here. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm glad I'm still here. Be like, nope, they say you don't commit suicide. Nope. (laughs) That didn't cross my mind. (laughs) Growing up every Mm -hmm. day, I thought I was dying, but you know what? I didn't think about it. Hmm. Well, I, I'm so glad, and you know, I mentioned about um, the way you look physically, and you know, the way you rip and run. And I'm gonna mm-hmm. say it like this for those that I can I can talk about her because I've seen her and I work with her and everything. But she moved faster than some of the younger girls that are up there, and you know, you always I always see you with the smile. Always see, always mm-hmm. see you in an upbeat attitude, even when it comes down to pain, just being frustrating. And you have, a, I'm gonna say it like this: you got a job that nobody wants. I already know it. it. <laughs> you all know, okay? Yeah, you can't. I look here, you cannot handle it. I mean, uh, they can't handle it, but you do it, and you do it effortless, and you do it in love. And it shows. I've I've seen I uh, can't remember how many people that I've dealt with that had your position, 
a lot of them that have had your position have not operated in love, have not operated with professionalism. And that's a whole different story right there. But Mm -hmm. you carry yourself, you communicate, you very professional, and not just dealing not just dealing with what you've dealt with, but like I said, you for you to be able to just keep a smile on your face, stay upbeat, you know, even in the environment of jail that we're at. And a lot of times people just mm-hmm. think, well, the inmates are the ones that are crazy. Sometimes it's the staff members that are crazy or that have or yeah. that promote that negative atmosphere and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. for you to be able to even say not allowing that stuff to get into you. That's something that we really need to talk about because, you know, negativity, the the atmosphere of negativity is one thing, but to allow that negativity to lead the atmosphere and get into your spirit is another thing. So You're I right. really, really appreciate you even being to bring it up because I think a lot of times we take that so lightly. So You know, that's what I tell Mm-hmm. That's what I tell my reaction yeah, since yeah. I started. I started there in March 26th, and I was surprised mm-hmm. at the officers that I've met. And one officer said, I want to say thank you to you. And I looked at her. I said, okay, you know, thanks. <laughs> you know, and then I asked her, well, what are you thinking? She's like, she said, because you come through here every morning. You say good morning. You know, how you doing? You hold a conversation with us, and you always going, but you always, she said, and the other managers didn't do that. I say, well, you know what, I don't see the harm in saying good morning. And I, hey, have a good day. And, you know, and I keep going, and I tell my reps, even though we're here, it's something y'all need to understand. The majority of the people here are here, whether they're innocent or guilty, I really don't care because it's not my our concern. You know, they're mad anyway. So when you ask them what it is that they want, you know, keep in mind that they're locked up and they're already upset. So when they're angry and they're taking it out on you, don't take it personally because they're mad for another reason. You're just catching the back end of it. You're catching what they can't say to whoever it is that they're pissed with. So we're going to catch that. I say so I just stop them where they stop, sir, no, ma'am, tell me what it is that you need, you know, but if you're not disrespecting me, I'm not going to disrespect you. But two things, if you don't communicate with me and let me know what's going on, I can't help you, you know. Mm-hmm. We, get cussed, we get cussed out. My reps get cussed out every day. You know, I've been cussed out, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what, I don't have to deal with you on that level. You know, I'm just not going to talk to you anymore. I'm going to go on over here and and deal with this here, this situation over here. And I find that when I don't deal with them, when they see me the next day, it's, you know, ma'am, I want to apologize for the way I acted yesterday. Okay, you know what you need. I don't want to be your friend. I just want you to tell me what it is you need so I can move on. Mm -hmm. Because they will keep you Mm -hmm. there, you know, and I – Try to tell my reps, you know, do not let the do not let the people here upset you because they're gonna they upset anyway, you know. And they was like, well, you know, you take it you take it so easy. I say, well, no. I say it takes two to argue, you know. You ain't got to sit there and take it, 
you know, just cut them off and go on to the next person. That's the best you can do. Ain't no need to argue with them. You why talk? You ain't even got to talk to them. They they get they they make it through. They will make mm-hmm. it through. I say some mm-hmm. of me they cuss you out today and tell you God bless you the next day. You be like, really? You cuss me out yesterday mm-hmm. and bless me today? Okay, <laughs> but but it's all in the mind. It's all in their mind. You know, I told them some people have come from different backgrounds of life where they have never been treated right. And sometimes it just takes a smile or a kind word to them to make them say, you know what, it's not that bad. She don't even know me and she was really nice to me today. You know, you don't you don't you don't take don't take life for granted. You know, you're dealing with all types of people, all types of personalities, you know, you don't know what that man or woman went through while you're talking bad to them or why they're here, you know. So mm-hmm. try to keep yourself safe at the same time. Respect them and they'll respect you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but it's, well, it's, it's, um, it's I, a blessing. I, yes, yeah, I, I do want to bring this up because um, I didn't mention it on the air, but um, she's the commissary supervisor. And she makes sure that those that are uh, incarcerated make sure that they get their commissary and make sure they, uh, whatever they order, they get it timely manner. And she does it in love. I, I'm not just saying that just to be saying that because she's on the air, but I've seen her. And matter of fact, how I met her is on the receiving dock officer. So whenever I get a shipment, if I see her name, I make sure that I, I secure it and make sure that I hold on to it until I get in contact with her. So um, that's that's how I met her, and like I said, just being able to just see her do her job and do it with so much passion. And, and to me, hopefully, those who she have to work for her, work with her, hopefully they can kind of, uh, raise up the bar and for them to be able to just do what they need to do to make sure that not just people get their stuff, but they make home safe and sound. But uh, but for you to be able to be on the air, for you to help us and just share your story and just so much. I, I've learned some stuff, even just pertaining to um, – how you saying about the stroke and all that mm-hmm. those type of things that I I don't I don't know. And so to me, if I don't know, there may be many others who don't know. So I really appreciate you even educating us and even telling us about, you know, like I said, about the environment and listen to people who speak in life and, and even what you were sharing about how some people are pertaining to family or friends you know, mm-hmm. sometimes they may say the negative words, the bad words. Uh, you know, to me, my thing is I just wish more people just shut up. If you know somebody going through something, you don't have to try to find the right words to say. Sometimes you try to figure out what to say. Sometimes that's the inappropriate thing to say. Sometimes just shut up or just give a person a hug or something. That's you know, mm-hmm. the best. Yeah, to me, the best help is nonverbal. When you try to think of something or say something, you end up saying something to make a make the situation worse. So You're I right. really, really, really appreciate you. 
what we're going to do, um, not going to hold you because I know she gets up very early. She gets up very early to oh, I'm good. go to work. But and, I'm good. And, <laughs> yes, yes, but, but for you to be able to just share with us your story now, I do want to do. I do want to say this for those who may want to contribute to um, the cause or even the nonprofit organization. If you would like to name some of the nonprofit organizations or even uh, contact information for, the for cure. people to be able to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, say it again. Fashionforthecure.org is one of our. Fashion Mm-hmm. Okay, fashionforthecure.org. .org. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. see if I can have. Yeah, okay, I'll see if I can uh, make a link uh, to that. So that way, other people can listen to it, and and also, um, like I said, I, I appreciate you even saying it. And also, for us, not just the ladies, but also guys, early detection. If we can go to a physical, I know I'll have to schedule my mind should be coming up next month. Um, being able to go to the doctor, not being fearful of going to the doctor, and you know, sometimes we we wait until stuff is about to fall off, or the pain is too excruciating, <laughs> until we you know go ahead and make up our mind. And I found this out: it's easy for us to tell people they need to go to the doctor, but it's hard for us to take that same advice and go ourselves. That's mm. true. I, I guess I'll say out on that one. <laughs> yeah. Just say guilty as charged. For us to be able to just go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I definitely appreciate you. And if you don't mind, right before we get ready to uh, end the episode, we would like to end with a word of prayer. And not just for you, but there may be some who may be listening on the air who may even want to get in contact uh, with Miss Danette, uh, Miss Danette, excuse me, for those who may be listening who want to, you know, who may be going through that particular thing, who may want, you know what, I need somebody that's been there who may understand. Um, are you on any social media or anything like that? No, but you just contact okay. me okay. through my email. Just contact okay. me through okay. my email, and I'm matchit64 at gmail.com. Just okay. shoot me an email Magic. and I'll respond. Uh-huh. My last name six four at gmail dot com. Yes, Magic Six Magic Six Four. That's M A T C H C A E T T Six Four at Gmail dot com. Okay. Great. 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 And for those who um may have any other issues or may have any other concerns, we're going to give everything to God. There is nothing too hard for God. And also for us to be able to just, being able to be a help of one another, be able to encourage one another. Like like um, like she was saying earlier, you never know what a person is going through. You may see the smile on the face on the outside, but you don't know the hurt or the tears that may be shared on the inside. So let's be praying for one another. And just because somebody is smiling doesn't mean that they don't need prayer. You know, they may be smiling today, but you never know what tomorrow may hold. So we need to be praying for one another and uphold everybody, encourage everybody. A lot of times people just think, well, you know, 
they go on to church and, you know, we pray, we're praying for the lay members or we're praying for those who are sick or those who are sinners or whatever you want to call it. But we're not praying for even the leaders, even the preachers, the pastors. You know, you know, there are times where we all go through something. And just because you see somebody behind a pulpit, just because you see a doctor or an attorney, whatever profession, you you may see them, but you don't know what they're going through at home or in their private life or the private struggles or whatever like that, you know. So it's very important for us to pray for everybody, you know. So even if there are someone who may feel like they don't have anything to pray for, I'm going to tell you like this, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for pray for the show. Pray for those who are who may be what outside of their family. Those who may have conflict with their family. There may be somebody who don't even know where their child is. Haven't heard from their child. I'm not talking about a small kid. I'm talking about even a, a grown adult. The, matter of fact, one young lady I know she haven't heard from her son in months. Don't know if he's dead or alive. So you never know what a person is going through. So that's why it's so important for us to pray. For one another Dear Heavenly Father We come to you right now God We thank you Lord For your presence on tonight God God we thank you Lord For the show God Thank you Lord For the testimony From your daughter Right now God We thank you Lord For healing and delivering Her right now God And God we ask you Lord To help her God And reveal the purpose And plan that you have Her in her life Right now God Help her God In every area of her life God And we speak in God That you help her God To be able to Even be help of those Who may be going Through the same thing God there may be somebody who may be looking for a help or a support system, God. And, God, we ask Lord to order her steps, God, and lead her to the people, God, who may need that word right now, God, or even to help her, God, and give her a word right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we speaking, God, that you help her family, God, encourage her family, God, be with the family, God. And, God, we even know, God, even what she went through, God, even what she went through, God, the husband went through the the family went through, God. So we ask God to hold them up, God. Support them, God, as they support her now. In the name of Jesus, while we speaking, God, for those who may be listening, God, who may be dealing with other things, God, who may be dealing with grief right now, God, even the loss of loved ones because of cancer. God, we speaking, God, that you help them, God, encourage them, God, that you be with them right now. In the name of Jesus, and say about everything you stand for, we bind every affliction right now. In the name of Jesus, we bind every confusion that you're trying to give God's people right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, there may be someone who may not be saved, God. God, help them understand, God, if they seek you, God, if they accept you into their life right now, God, if they confess, God, their sins, God, help them, God, to understand, God, that they need you, and we all need you, God. God, not only do we need you, God, but God, help people understand, God, that we should want you, God. God, we ask God to help us, God, in every area of our lives right now, God. There may be some, God, who may be needing a job, God. We're speaking, God, that you order their steps right now, God. In the name of Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord. Even as school is about to start, God, we're speaking, God, that you protect the children right now, God. God, we're speaking, God, that you put a hedge of protection around them, God. God, we're speaking, God, the, the Lord of hosts, God, put a garrison around their hearts around their minds right now in the name of Jesus protection right now we bind every like child abduction right now in the name of Jesus we bind the thing that the devil may try to put forth right now and 
being bullies even to the kids right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we're speaking, God, that you help the kids, God, to stay focused, God. Let them, under, let them know, God, that education, secular education is important, God. And God, so help them understand that secular education is important. Also, it's a spiritual education right now, God. Help them to be attentive in school right now, God. God, we speak, God, even to the teachers, God. Help them, God, to minister love right now in the name of Jesus. But most importantly, God, help us as parents, God, to be the first teachers, God, to help them, help the teachers, God, to work with the parents, God, and help the parents work with the teachers right now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the testimony coming from this, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. I want to thank each and every one who listened to the show. I want to thank Miss Danette Maddett. I think I said her name right this time. I thank her for her testimony. I thank her for the time that she has given, and I want each and every one to, this point, just pray for one another and for us to be able to have the early detection and for us to go to the doctor and be able to just um, anything that may be feeling wrong or even just if you feel like you need to go, just go ahead and go. So once again, I want to thank each and every one who tuned in and who supported this program. If you have any suggestions on future topics or future episodes, feel free to contact me on Facebook. I'm Brother Prater. You can read my daily devotions or videos on my page, or you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, or you can go to my website at www.brotherprater.org. You will see my daily devotions and upcoming events and personal appearances. Also, you can go to the store section of my website where you see my book, A Few Good Men, A Path to Godly Fatherhood. A Few Good Men was written to inform the men, the needs and responsibilities toward their families, children, and spouse, or their children's mother, and they're also to inform the women the needs of men and to give single women the qualities of a potential future husband and of father to present or future children. I want to thank each and everyone who tuned in to the show, and thank you for listening to Reconnect My Heart podcast. God bless you. And good night.